0: Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. The reason that anything good has happened here is because of God. He's the one. He is faithful. Tonight's story is really about that. We're in 1 Samuel. We are Uh, Two chapters away from finishing. We're not going to finish tonight because we're going to tackle chapter 30. So if you turn in your Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 30. And we're going to be looking at the whole chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now, some of you who have come in tonight have not been with us through the book of 1 Samuel. To save you a lot of time... Let me just condense the story. This story is really about a man after God's own heart. The first man, Saul, looked good. He was tall, handsome, had some good qualities about him. But his failure, when you break down Saul's failure, it was primarily in the area of obedience. He just couldn't seem to follow God with his whole heart. He began, he, he was impatient at times, at other times, he didn't fully execute God's will, and God just said, you're done. And Saul's story is tragic, but while Saul is falling away from the Lord, David is rising. But David's rise to glory and fame is a hard one. We've been watching the, the brutal life that he's been living as Saul is whacked out, and trying to kill him. And David's trying to deal with all these tough decisions that he's been facing. And this chapter will be no exception to another tough spot that he finds himself in. I've been telling you also that when you look at David, since he is the anointed one, and he prefigures the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, the greater David, the son of David, um, whenever you can in this book, you don't want to push it too far, but you always want to look for shadows of the Messiah, that are coming forth from the life of David. David's an imperfect man, so there's going to be times when he doesn't look much like Messiah at all, but then there's going to be other times when he very much looks like Messiah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight and this uh, this last Wednesday here at this location for Living Truth, but we are so looking forward to this new Facility and the uh, opportunities that it will bring for us. And we all have fond memories of being here together. And we thank you for what you've done in this building, but we know it's not about a building, Lord. It's about you and your people and the relationships that are here and the solid foundation we share in Christ. Tonight, Lord, we just ask, as you have been so faithful to speak to us, speak to us once again about what you want us to know from this text tonight what you want us to take with us what you want us to apply help us to put ourselves in this story and ask questions like what would i do if i was faced with this kind of decision help us to grow as leaders there are many leaders in this room and this book is about leadership how to f- not you know lead with Saul and how to lead effectively largely with David and so Lord, help us to learn lessons about leadership. We need more leaders, more men and women after your own heart. Help us, oh God, as we get into your word. Uh, teach us marvelous things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 30 begins, Then it happened when David and his men, First Samuel 30 verse 1, came to Ziklag on the third day. Now, David had found himself in a quandary. Remember, he had taken covering under the Philistine king, the king of Gath, and he had been given an an area called Ziklag. And all of a sudden, the Philistines were going to go to war with Israel, and David was asked by Achish the king, you're going to march with us. And so he found himself in a tough spot, and they began marching in the rear, kind of protecting the king, if you will. And some of the commanders said, oh, no, he's not going He's not going with us. Now, we could uh, we could speculate on what David's purpose was there. Was he thinking about when the war got hot that he would turn and not fight against his people, but fight for them? Uh, remember, David had an impressive record against the Philistines. He was really undefeated. And so if David would have gone, then the Philistines would have been defeated. But that was not God's plan because in the next chapter, Saul is going to die at the hands of the Philistines. So David is removed by the providence of God, and the providence of God does happen in everyday circumstances. Now, we have to be careful when we look at things like this, but there are times when circumstantially things happen and God is behind it. I don't know how to figure all that out, but I would just say this. If you pray, God, I want your will to be done and not mine, then you can rest that he's going to lead your path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. So I have confidence as a man that when I'm seeking God, even if I don't always get the circumstances and don't always understand why the road winds the way that it does, I'm still going to trust that God's in control. And that's what David did. With his life. He believed that God was in control. And so now he's left. He's departed, and his troops are heading south. The Philistines are marching north. They're going to take on Saul. David is heading back home, home where he left his wives. And yes, he has two wives at this time, and home where the 600 men have wives and children. And so they're headed back to this location. They traveled, I I read one commentary that said 60 miles, another one said 80. It was a lot of miles, (laughs) let's just put it this way, probably on foot, and they are now moving down, and they came to Ziklag, this is on the third day, so it took them several days to arrive at the location. So it happened that when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites, uh, ancient enemies of Israel, we see this in Exodus 17 is one place, made a raid on the Negev and Ziklag and had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. Can you imagine 60-80 mile journey home, you're tired, you want to see your wife, you want to see your children, And you come upon the city, which is a temporary city. You're not even in your homeland, but you've learned to call Ziklag home for now. And you come over a ridge or something like that, and all of a sudden you see that the whole area that you live in has been burned with fire. And you see nobody. I mean, they had to be spent physically and now emotionally. They come upon this scene, and all of a sudden they see that the Amalekites, I don't know if they know it's the Amalekites right now, but there has been a total disaster. And they took captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great, some versions say young and old, without killing anyone. I'm not sure if David and his men knew this upon arrival. And they carried them off and went their way. Now, to carry slaves off in this way typically meant that you were taking them into slavery or captivity to sell them off or to use them and abuse them. So it wasn't necessarily good news that nobody had died. It just meant that they had gone into captivity. And I'm not sure that these guys really knew. They may have gone in upon the dwellings and, you know, expecting to see the worst. Can you imagine, you know, uh, seeing the, the burnt stuff and then, you know, taking a peek inside to see if what you see? What they saw was nothing. There was nobody there. The dwellings had been burned. The place had been burned, but everybody was taken away. Um, I just want to ask you, because it's easy to sit in the stands as a student of the Bible. If you had come home from a long trip and your house was burnt down and uh, you had flown solo and all of a sudden you come your location and your house is burnt down and you don't know where your family is, you're beginning to just get a little taste of the emotion of what these guys are facing. And so here they are. They've come back to this place and it's ugly. And when David and his men came to the city, behold, verse 3, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. They saw what they saw and they know what they had done and this was probably done in retaliation for what David had done in an earlier chapter that Pastor Chris taught us on. And probably they knew that David was away on a tour of duty with the Philistines and the Amalekites swept in and they were largely a nomadic type people and they swept in and they decided that they were going to retaliate against David. And now everything was burned. Everybody was gone. And 600 men of war, these are warriors, they weep until they can't weep anymore. You know, David is probably one of the primary leaders that I think of in the Bible, and he even showed his men how to grieve. And sometimes when we look at strong men, we think, oh, strong men never cry. They never never show their emotion. Well, that's ridiculous. I think sometimes it's our pride that keeps us back from being real about how we're feeling. And there are two extremes. Some people are so extreme on the negative side that they're always looking at the bummer side of life. Some people are so happy-go-lucky that you have to tell them sometimes, wait a minute, it's okay to be real. Life is hard sometimes. There's no reason to smile at this scene. It's ugly. Everything's burned, your family's gone, and these guys weep. You know, Jesus, when he came upon the tomb of Lazarus and he saw everybody crying and weeping, what did he do? He didn't say, hey, stop boo-hooing, you bunch of babies. I'm going to raise them, all right? <laughs> no, when Jesus saw everybody weeping, what did he do? He wept. John 11:35. Jesus wept. He wept over the city of Jerusalem because he saw that it was going to be destroyed some 40 years or less later. He said, If you if you only knew the things that make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. And behold, your house is left to you desolate. He wept. He was real. And he went to the temple and he saw the money changers and the people uh, corrupting a place that should have been a house of prayer for all the nations, but you've made it a den of thieves. What did he do? He got angry. Jesus was real, man. And real faith is going to encounter these kinds of situations. It's just how it goes. Now, David's two wives had been taken captive. It's Ahinoam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. Moreover, uh, David was greatly distressed because the people... You want to talk about a bad day at the office? They began to talk of stoning him. I mean, leadership is not easy, folks. There are good days when you get the compliments and things are going well, and there are bad days. (laughs) I mean, pro-athletes can tell you about this. Pro-athletes can deliver in the clutch, and man, they're getting the accolades of everybody, and then you blow it in a key moment, and guess what? They want to stone you. And I'm talking in some places, literally, they'd like to stone you. I mean, it's not easy to be in the ring, taking the punches, and all of a sudden, this great leader, David, who had done so much good Remember, these people who joined him, they were the downcasts of society, people who were in debt, people who were in distress. He had raised them up to a level that they probably would have never known before. But now, they want to kill him. There's another character in the Bible, Moses, who said, Lord, you better get these people some water, because they're going to kill me. (laughs) They're about to stone me, Lord, help I mean, in life, you're going to find that you're in positions like this where life gets difficult. You may not have any easy answers for these 599 guys that are with you or 600 guys that are with you. What do you tell them now? What do you do for yourself? Well, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. But David... He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. You know, um, David is a continuing contrast of Saul. When Saul didn't get the answers he wanted, he got desperate and he went to the medium, the witch at Endor, remember? But David, what did he do when he was in, in distress? He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That's what you and I have to do. And I know you got to be asking the question because I ask it, how do you do that? How does someone like us, you're having a crisis, whatever your crisis may be, you're at a difficult time, there's chaos and confusion, there's difficulty in relationships, maybe there's a financial burden, maybe there's a loss, maybe there's tension in your family, and you're like, what do I do now? That's when your Christianity is really put to the test, amen? That's when really the difference between Saul's and David's really happen, It's what you decide to do in moments like that. I'm not saying moments like that are easy. I'm not saying it's easy to take that way of looking for the Lord to strengthen you in those moments. But David is a model of how to do it. He's a man after God's own heart. And he strengthened himself in the Lord. Everybody else was against him. I mean, imagine if you had 600 men who have just wept their eyes out. They can't even weep anymore. And now they're having some meetings around campfires and you can overhear them and it's not good news. Let's start gathering some rocks. This guy ain't going to be our leader anymore. In John 6, when Jesus gave a difficult teaching about his body and blood, often misinterpreted. When people uh, begin thinking that he was speaking literally of his body and blood, he wasn't. He was speaking symbolically, metaphorically. And it has to do with believing on him and coming to him. That's That was his teaching. And so the people, and this is, a bit of irony, the people who couldn't accept what he taught in John 6:66, 6, after that teaching, followed him no more. And Jesus turned to the 12 and said, now remember how many people were following Jesus? There were thousands of people. He had fed 5,000 plus women and children. There were thousands of people. He was at the height of his popularity. He gives this difficult teaching. People can't quite get it. And what do they do? a bunch of people turned their back and he turned to the ones that he had had in training all that time and he said, do you want to go too? I mean, this is, this, is, this is time to decide who you really are. you want to go away? You've seen me do things. You've heard my sermons. You've seen me do miracles. Are you going to? Is this enough to make you do the 180 and go back to fishing? Or whatever it is that you do in your life. You know, there's a lot of people, sadly, who have entered and exited Christian churches, and we're not going to see them again. And we could debate until the cows come home what their spiritual position is before God, but frankly, a lot of them are gone. And some of them aren't coming back. And so, David's at a crossroads. In Psalm 18, David wrote, I love you, O Lord, you're my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. You know what David did? When he was in trouble, he wrote psalms. That's one way that you encourage yourself in the Lord. You don't have to write them. Just read them. <laughs> They're already there. There's 150 of them. That's pretty good. If you read one a day, that would be almost, what, half the year? It's pretty good. There's 150 psalms. And sometimes my spiritual prescription to a downcast heart is a psalm a day. Will sure help your heart. Here you go. Ooh, take this. (laughs) That was good timing, wasn't it? Take that. Try to live by it. Psalm 28, verses 7 through 9, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and I am helped. Therefore my heart exalts, and with song I shall thank Him. The Lord is their strength, and He is a saving defense to His anointed. Here's another insight. Read a psalm, sing a song. I'm not talking about some old country song. <laughs> although that may minister to some of your hearts. I don't get it, but that's all right. (laughs) I'm talking about worship. Do you know how sometimes when life has just got you down, worship can turn you around? It just happens. I don't know quite all the mechanics of it, but there's a, a point in time for me personally, I can be having... Not a so spiritual attitude. And all of a sudden, just something. Bam. It's like almost a moment where just things just turn. And I feel like I'm a spiritual man again. Can I get a witness? Anybody else? So, David had to refocus his eyes on God. I mean, circumstantially, everything looked terrible. I mean, Talk about a tough spot to be in. You've lost everything, everything's burned, you don't know where your family is, and you've got 600 guys who want to kill you. Plus, wacky Saul still out there somewhere. What in the world? What would you do? You know what David decided to do? He decided to find strength in the Lord. That sounds too simple, doesn't it? Maybe a little too spiritual you got to have options, baby. (laughs) Right? Come up with your little list of what you're going to do. No, no, no. David said, this is what I'm going to do. Psalm 31, verses 2 through 5 say, Incline your ear to me. Rescue me quickly. Be my rock. Be to me a rock of strength, a stronghold to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you will lead me and guide me. Listen to this. You will pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. You are my strength. Psalm 31, 2 through 5. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have ransomed me, O Lord, God of truth. Here's the deal. David said, okay, God, into your hands I commit my spirit. Do you know who quoted that in the New Testament? Jesus. Where was he? He was on the cross. You want to talk about going through hell on earth, as it were? I'm not talking about literal hell. Jesus never went to hell, but He was suffering hell-like fury of people's comments, the wrath of Almighty God coming down upon Him. And what does He do? He quotes a psalm. By the way, that psalm was taught by Jewish mothers to kids And that's probably the origin of now I lay me down to sleep or something like that. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Jewish mothers would teach Jewish children to pray that every night. Into your hands I commit my spirit. That's what David did. In the midst of trouble, in the midst of crisis, when he didn't know which way to turn, he said, Lord, into your hands. I'm going to put my trust in you. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Now earlier, Jonathan had encouraged him. I think it's in chapter 23. When Jonathan reminded him of, his, of God's promises, and sometimes, I hope you're taking notes because I've given you, this is about my third or fourth one. Sometimes when you need to be encouraged in the Lord, you've got to find an encouraging brother or sister. Amen. Find someone who has that heart of encouragement. Get around them for a little while, and they'll help you. And you know what they'll do? They'll do something very simple. It's this. They'll remind you of God's promises. Sometimes people hand me scriptures. They say, Pastor Michael, this is for you. And I always have a positive outlook on that. And it's usually a really encouraging scripture. And I'm like, praise God that the Lord would encourage somebody's heart to give me an encouraging scripture.
1: Hi everybody, this is Cameron Thomas here and I'm sitting here with Pastor Michael and we're about to embark on a new adventure for Living Truth Radio. It's not going to replace the program that you're listening to right now, it's actually an addition to what you're listening to. So Pastor Michael, what's this new adventure that we're embarking on? The new
0: adventure is called The Bible Answer Show, Cameron, and it is a show to get questions from our listening audience and to give them answers. The tagline is, you've got questions, we've got answers. At least we hope to have all the answers, Cameron. And so it's a live interaction show, Q&A
1: style. When can people listen to this new show?
0: This show is going to be on from 12 to 1 Pacific time every Friday. So that's the time. 12 to 1 Pacific time on Fridays.
1: And how can people access this?
0: There's a number of ways to access it, Cameron, and the hub of it all is livingtruthradio.org. That's our website. And I'm hoping that our listening audience has already been there, livingtruthradio.org. And there they'll be able to find out all the different ways to interact with the Bible Answer Show. And the different vehicles are Facebook Live, live YouTube channel, we'll have podcasting. Where they can go back and listen to the show later and they can even email questions to us at answers at livingtruthradio.org. that's answers at living awesome
1: so make sure you guys get those questions into us because otherwise we're trying to guess what questions you have and we're not mind readers so get those questions into us so we can answer them for you on Fridays Pastor Michael anything last week thoughts
0: well you're kind of the Facebook guy Cameron and I was thinking when people go to Facebook live and they they have to like the Bible answer show right so tell them about how to like it and then how to get their questions
1: you have to go to facebook.com slash Bible answer show there's no the just Bible answer show and you like the page, and if you follow us on Facebook Live on Fridays, you can actually ask your questions there. That's the only real live format that you can ask your questions. Otherwise, you have to email them in.
0: And when they do that, they'll be able to interact with us live and get their questions answered right there on the spot. So that's it's going to be great, Cameron, and we're really excited. And hey, I just want to tell you guys... Keep us in prayer on the Bible Answer Show. We're adding this as a new show. We know you have questions, and you may have friends, family members, have questions They may live in other states or even in another country. Tell them about the show. Keep us in prayer, and join us this Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific time on the Bible Answer Show.
1: Can't wait to be with you guys. On behalf of Living Truth Radio and Pastor Michael Lance, blessings to you all.